exciting Saturday coming up on February the 13th. It's called Show Love to Camp Sumatanga Saturday. And we are going to be outside working at Camp Sumatanga. There's hiking trails to clean up. There's cabins to clean up. There's two different shifts you can sign up to work, 9 to 12 or 12 to 3, or you can do both. I recommend working the early shift and then the second shift not working. Go hike. Go hike up to the cross and see all the great things at Sumatanga. But if you sign up on the church website, we will feed you lunch and you get a t-shirt. So please make sure you do that. Uh, or just let us know and we'll ask you what size shirt you need and everything. Um, also wanted to let you know we still have some of these really awesome signs for healthcare workers. Aren't these cool? It lets the community know that you love healthcare workers and so does our church. And if you're a healthcare worker watching this right now, we love you and we appreciate all that you are doing. Um, we have some really great um, online Bible studies, small groups, Sunday school classes, men at the well, uh, all kinds of cool things. But uh, Pastor Sam, I hear that your Wednesday night online Bible study is the best, not just in the nation, but in the world, JT. <laughs> I don't know why Benny's laughing. I don't know if he believes me. <laughs> okay, so here is the biggest announcement that we are all just so excited about. Sunday, February the 14th, that's Valentine's Day, that's right. We are going to open the doors back up to the church. So if you feel safe and comfortable to come, we would love to have you. We wear masks, we spread out, and we're going to be open back up. And I think that's a celebration. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Uh, we are thankful that we are able to worship together. Uh, we pray right now, uh, as people are worshiping online at home, we pray that you will calm all of our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as we worship together, I invite you to sing with us hymn number 555, Forward Through the Ages.
Would you join us in the affirmation of faith? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning, everybody. This would normally be the, the part in the service where we would dismiss the children to go to Children's Church. So, um, parents, I want to encourage you, check out uh, Catherine's, uh, our, child, our children's director's uh, new TikTok page that she has. Um, so she's doing these awesome TikTok videos for, for the kids. And she also does uh, lessons in Sunday school. So there's a lot going on online for the kids in, in addition to what goes on on Wednesday nights. Um, just to echo what Pastor Andy said earlier in the announcements, if you were kind of late joining in, we are going to be offering in-person worship again starting on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And on that day, we'll be celebrating Holy Communion. We, we won't do it the first Sunday next week, but we will do it on Valentine's Day because I think it fits in wonderful with, with a day that's, that we remember love and we'll remember the love of God in Christ Jesus uh, through Holy Communion, that, that special sacrament that we share. So if you feel comfortable coming, then please join us that day. If, if you still need to stay at home and you, feel, you don't feel like you need to get out, we totally understand. We're still going to keep live streaming on, on Facebook Live and on YouTube and on Sermon.net. So tell your friends about that, and, and we'll still be able to, to worship that way, in addition to on Valentine's Day uh, being in person, offering in person at 9 and 11. So pray for us. Uh, if you last Sunday was Sumatonga Sunday, Pastor Andy was telling us about Sumatonga Work Day. If you didn't give a ch get a chance to make a special offering to Sumatonga, you could still do that. And your church still needs your offerings, even when we're not meeting in person. We still need your offerings. We need you to send your tithes and offerings in to support the ministries of the church. So I encourage you to do that. We thank you for your faithful support of the ministries of this church. And we appreciate it so much. Um, so will you join me now as we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we start today by just taking a deep breath and remembering to be still and know that you are God. You always have been and you always will be. We can trust our lives into your hands. We can trust 
our past into your hands and know that you have forgiven us when we ask you to forgive us and that you have cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. We know that our present is in your hands. Right now in this moment, you are with us wherever we are and you're with our loved ones. For those who have a loved one in the hospital that they're worried about, for those who have a loved one who's homebound, if you are homebound, or wherever we are, we know that you're with us and you always will be. And our future is in your hands. So we can trust you for the future and we're thankful for that because we can't see into the future, but we know when we get there that you're going to be there. And we know that whatever is not right, you're going to make right and that all will be well that is not well right now. We pray for your healing. We pray for your guidance. We pray, Lord, for you to provide for us what we need for each new day. And we ask that you would teach us to pray now the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you, David, and thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Benny and JT, for um, continuing the tradition of making music awesome in this church. I can't tell you how awesome it is to both in our 9 o'clock service and in our 11 o'clock service. So, fantastic. Thank you. It really adds so much to the worship, and uh, it, it touches our heart every single time. Today we are talking about the old and the new, and we're looking at the first chapter of the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. I want to ask you to join with me. I think the words are going to be up on the screen for you, but, or grab a Bible and, uh, and turn to Mark chapter 1 with me. We'll look at verses 21 through 28 in that first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Then, and just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to tell you this morning, I think that I probably have the greatest in-laws uh, in the world. Maybe, uh, maybe ever. Uh, I know a lot of people make jokes about their mother-in-law and things like that, but you know, you really need to meet my in-laws. Uh, and, and so Lynn and Buzz, if you're watching right now, love you, brownie points for me for, for mentioning you in a sermon, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know what Tammy and I would have done when the kids were little if it hadn't been for Grandma and Pa. That's what they call them. Because we were living in Huntsville, and all the kids were little, and it seemed like we always had at least two kids in diapers at the same time. And we were trying to both work hard as we could. We were trying to keep our house up and, and had these little kids, and they really, really helped out a lot. Now that our kids are, are grown up, they still help out a lot, but it was really harder back then. It was really difficult and a struggle. Um, but there were times when, you know, the kids would be away at Grandma and Pa's for a couple of days, and then when they would get back home, there would be this period of adjustment. I don't know uh, what to call it except to say that we had to kind of reestablish authority. And I'll give you an example of that. I remember one time in particular that it was on a Saturday. Tammy was gone somewhere. The kids were little, and they had been at Grandma and Pa's for a couple of days, and they got back, and I had them on this Saturday by myself, and we were having a pretty good day. And we got to uh, lunchtime and tug on the sleeve. One of the girls, I can't remember which one, uh, said, 
Daddy, where's our bowl of ice cream? And I said, what? And she said, at Grandma's house, we get to have ice cream after lunch and cake after dinner. And I said, well, we don't have any ice cream, and here's a cookie. So, you know, and I didn't think anything about it. But later on, another tug at my sleeve. Daddy, when are we going to go to the playground? I said, what do you mean? Well, when we're at Grandma's, we get to go to the playground every day. And I said, well, Daddy's got to do some yard work today, so maybe y'all want to come outside and help Daddy do yard work. Won't that be fun? Well, evidently that wasn't the answer that they were looking for. But um, anyway, we went on. And then, I don't know what it was, later on something in the day, another tug on the sleep. Um, you know, Daddy, when can we? Well, at Grandma's, and I said, okay, let's just stop right there. Uh, because look at me. Do I look like grandma? I don't think so. Does this look like grandma's house? No. You're at home now, and when you're at home, I'm daddy, I'm mommy's mommy, and mommy and daddy's rules rule. So it was kind of like one of those, like a John Wayne movie. There's a new sheriff in town now, you know, kind of deal like that. The reason I'm bringing all this up is because I think that that was the kind of moment that the Gospel of Mark shares with us in chapter 1 is, is Jesus is saying there's a new ultimate authority. The kingdom of God is now among you. The old, whatever was going on before, uh, there's a new authority in town. Jesus was the new sheriff. And there's only one Holy One of God. There's only one Lord, and it's not the chief priest. It's not the Pharisees. It's not Satan. It's not even Herod. It's just Jesus. And it just took a while for everyone to realize that and everyone to get on board with the program, so to speak. So in the first part of the Gospel of Mark, who is it that recognizes that Jesus is the ultimate authority? Is it, is it the disciples? Well, you'd think it would be because they're his disciples and they're following him, but actually they were pretty clueless at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Do you remember the story in Gospel of Mark chapter 4 where they're in the boat together and the disciples are, I don't know if they're sailing or rowing, they're out on the sea in the, in the boat Jesus is taking a nap. Pastor Andy, I think that that is, is firm uh, declaration that we all need to take a nap from time to time. Jesus is taking a nap on a boat, and then the storm comes up, and Jesus is still taking a nap. The disciples are freaking out. Water's coming over the side of the boat. Jesus is still napping. They go and they wake Jesus up, and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we're all about to drown here? And then Jesus exercises his authority, establishes his authority even over the winds and the waves. He tells them to be quiet, and they're quiet. And then in Mark 4:41, it says that the disciples were amazed and they said, Who is this? Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is it? We don't know. It was a while before they even understood who Jesus was. So in Capernaum that day, in the scripture we just read in Mark chapter 1, did the congregation know? 
Uh, rumors were going around about Jesus. He had already preached in Nazareth. He's now in Capernaum. Now, did they recognize that the ultimate authority was now in town? Not really. I mean, they were amazed and astonished at Jesus' teaching. They had people that came in and, and taught. The scribes taught. But when the scribes taught, they taught from authority. In other words, they taught based on their ability to read from the scroll, the law and the prophets, and to maybe, maybe quote some of the other rabbis on whatever their uh, opinions were on whatever topic they were talking about. They taught from authority, but Jesus brought something new. He read from the same scroll. He read from the law and the prophets, but he didn't teach from authority. He taught with authority. And the difference is that Jesus was the living word. Jesus lived out the word. Jesus was, he embodied the very breath and the very word of God come to life. Everything that, that Jesus did became scripture. Every word that Jesus said became scripture itself. Jesus lived it. And they didn't know what to do with it. They asked the question, who is this? The congregation didn't know. So what about the most religious people around? What about the chief priest and the Pharisees? Did they recognize that the ultimate authority, that the new sheriff, so to speak, was in town, that the kingdom of God itself was in their midst? Well, kind of actually the opposite of that. Uh, in Mark chapter 11, you know the story where Jesus goes into and clears the temple, right? Drives out the, the money changers and flips over the tables and all of that. Well, after that, the chief priest and the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him this question. They say, by what authority do you do what you're doing? Who gave you that kind of authority? In other words, Jesus, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are coming up in here and changing things? So it wasn't the chief priest and the Pharisees, the most religious people around. It wasn't Jesus' disciples, the ones who were following him. It wasn't the congregation in Capernaum that day. It was the unclean spirit that recognized who Jesus was. In verse 24, we see the man under the control of the unclean spirit come up to Jesus and say, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So, something I want you to think about. I just kind of noodle this in your mind with me. When, when the guy comes up under the influence of the unclean spirit and he asks Jesus this question, verse 24, notice the pronouns that he uses there. What have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? So let's just kind of get curious a second. Who is the us that is referred to here? Well, some say it could be referring maybe to a multitude of unclean spirits, like uh, when in Mark chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus cast the evil spirit from the man who lived among the tombs, and, 
And Jesus asked the evil spirit his name, and he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. But I don't think that's the case here in Mark chapter 1, because it says there was a man with an, an unclean spirit. And when the spirit came out, it says the spirit came out. So what is, who's the us in verse 24? I think it has to be at least the man speaking and at least the unclean spirit and then at least the members of the congregation. So that question, Jesus, what have you to do with us, at least includes all of those. What have you to do with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? Well, that's a fair question because sometimes that's what change feels like, doesn't it? It feels like, it feels like you're just going to be destroyed. So did Jesus come to destroy everything? Did Jesus come to destroy that guy that came up to him? Did he come to destroy the unclean spirit? Did he come to destroy the congregation at Capernaum? Did the new sheriff come into town and say, okay, everything's got to go. I'm sweeping out everything and getting rid of all the old. I just don't think that's it at all. And the reason I don't think that Jesus was doing away with all the old was because Jesus was engaging in the ancient practices. He was gathering in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was joining in the prayers. He was reading from the same scroll. He was teaching from the scriptures. He was keeping the day of rest and worship that goes all the way back to creation when God rested on the Sabbath it just doesn't get any older than that. Jesus was gathering together with worshipers, which is an ancient practice, teaching from the scriptures, an ancient practice. Jesus didn't come to do away with the old. As a matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I haven't come to do away with the law and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill them. And Jesus didn't want to do away with the man who asked him the question that day. And how do I know that? Well, I know that because I listened in Sunday school when they taught me John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would have everlasting life. And then John 3.17 says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. So, have you come to destroy us, Jesus? No, I've come to save you. I've come to save you, he would say. We're not specifically told here in Mark chapter 1, but I really strongly believe that Jesus looked at the man who asked him the question that day, and he looked at the congregation who was sitting there in Capernaum. I believe he looked at them and he loved them because he was the Holy One of God. He, on this holy day, in this holy place, loved them. And that being said, there's only room for one ultimate authority. There's only room for one ultimate authority in all of the cosmos. There's only one Lord, and that's Jesus. So, therefore, the man who asked the question, he can stay. The congregation, they can stay. But the unclean spirit has got to go. Has got to 
go. Because you see, in addition to embracing the old, Jesus brought in the new with authority. Who are you to tell us what to do, Jesus? Well, he's God. He is co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. What makes you think, Jesus, that you can come in here and start making changes? Well, because the church is the body of Christ and he is the head of the body and the head gets to determine what the body does and when and how. So back to the original question that we were noodling before in verse 24 when the man asked, the unclean spirit asked through the man, what have you to do with us? And who is the us? Well, I think it's the man and it's the unclean spirit and it's the, the Capernaum congregation there, but I also think it's us. And by us, I mean you and me. Us. This church, us, you and me today, 21st century Christians. Because Jesus is still the only authority over all of the above. Over all then and over all now. The practices that Jesus and his disciples were engaging in that day were old. They were ancient Gathering to worship on the Lord's day, reading scripture, praying. But Jesus is also establishing a new authority. You see, there were problems with evil in Jesus' day. And Jesus said, I'm in authority now. I, I'm taking authority over that. Evil has got to go. There were problems with unclean spirits in the first century. But you know what? There are problems with evil today. There are problems with unclean spirits in the 21st century. And it's ever new and it's ever changing. It's old and it's new. Sometimes I think in the Sermon on the Mount, if Jesus were preaching the Sermon on the Mount today, you know, instead of saying, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Maybe if Jesus were preaching today in the 21st century, he would say, if the screen before your eyes at the end of your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and put it down. Cut that cell phone off, cut that computer off, cut the TV off. If it causes you to sin, cut it off. You see, the old challenges are still there. They just present themselves in a new way, don't they? The, the same deadly sins of, of pride and lust and envy and anger and sloth and greed and gluttony, they're still there. They just present themselves in a new way. The unclean spirits that were in the synagogue, if you think about that, they were not in the graveyard as they were in another chapter they were there in the synagogue the unclean spirits in the first century are the same unclean spirits that are in the congregation today shouldn't be that way but it is I think about unclean spirits and I, I think about all the isms the unclean spirits of racism shouldn't still be around in the 21st century but they are racism and classism and and ageism and sexism and heterosexism and nationalism, all of those other isms that go along with, with pride and lust and envy and anger and sloth and greed and gluttony 
are still around in the 21st century. Still around. And they still have to go. They still have to go because God is still God and God still is in authority and God is no respecter of persons and God is love. So in the name and in the authority of Jesus, I say that the only ism that belongs in the church is baptism. The rest are unclean spirits. And if we want to follow Jesus, they've got to go. What I really love is how Jesus leaned back, right, on the old foundations, leaned back on the old, and at the same time kicked forward into the new future. That's why I think that for the church, there is a great image that I love, and it's the image of a swing, you know, like a swing on a playground, one of my favorite preachers and authors, uh, Leonard Sweet, was the first person I heard to talk about this. And he said that what he wanted to see the church do was to, to lean back and, and not, not to lean back into the 1950s or some other idyllic time that we, we, we think of in our minds, but to keep leaning back until we're leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. But at the same time, and really simultaneously is what I'm talking about, to use the energy and power that comes from leaning back to kick forward into the future like you do on a swing. To lean back into worship and praying and teaching and discipleship, but to kick forward and to use digital media to do all of those things, to lean back into the ultimate authority of Jesus, which is still over all of that, but to kick forward into whatever Jesus wants us to do, which we don't always know where he's going to lead us, do we? To lean back into the love of God because God still loves us so much, and then to kick forward to love our neighbors, all of our neighbors, whoever God brings across our paths. To lean back into the old and to kick forward into the new at the same time. Well, after Jesus did what he did that day in Capernaum, it says in verse 28 that. His fame spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. His fame or his report. Some translations say the rumor spread throughout all of Galilee. I wonder what they were saying about Jesus. I wonder, I wonder what it was. Whatever it was, I know that it caused multitudes of people to seek Jesus out. People who had, who had sickness, people who had evil, unclean spirits, people who had desperate needs, people who wanted to hear the truth. But it also caused a few people to be so offended at Jesus that they wanted to do away with him. And I want to close with this thought. I wonder what our community will say about our church. I hope that the report, I hope that the story, I hope that the rumor that is true that goes out about our church today 
is that we are a church that leans back into the old and at the same time kicks forward into the new. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I thank you for the ultimate authority and for the, the power and for the glory that belongs only to you. Forgive us, Lord, for when we forget that and we place anything else in front of you. Help us, Lord, to lean back on the everlasting arms while at the same time to kick forward and to join that great line of saints forward through the ages and help us to trust you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, we opened the service today by singing Forward Through the Ages and we're going to close by singing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. So I want you to, to join with me as we sing this, this old hymn and let it be fresh and new for you today. Will you join us as we sing together number 133 in the hymnal, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And now let us go with this benediction. As we go into a future that is sometimes filled with dread and fear, help us to have peace that comes from leaning on the everlasting arms. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.